And this is Chad Mark with I Want to Know. I uh, had a very exciting morning this morning uh, uh, with our guests that we have today. We uh, got to head down to the Hyatt in Calgary, meet a bunch of USC fighters. Well, see them at least. I didn't get a chance to talk to them. They all seem pretty stressed when they're, uh, they're dieting down. But we're here today with uh, Mr. Robin Black, Robin Black MMA. Dude. Exciting. Yeah, thanks for picking me up at the airport, man. Like, we were talking about getting together and chatting. And then all of a sudden, it was like I was texting you. Well, looks like I'm working at uh, at the Hyatt now. Oh, we got another thing. Oh, now I'm shooting at the UFC gym. Sometimes, like it's a really fun gig, man. You get on a plane and you go to a town and you sit around and you talk about fighting all day. Like that's not a job. <laughs> you know it's a dream I mean? come like, true, right? Is that really a job? Like it's absurd. Um, but sometimes it's unpredictable. Like I'm employed by TSN, the best channel in the country by far in Canada where we live. And, um, you know, sometimes we were, I was going to cover it Saturday night, but uh, I think the audience is really into the show. I think, you know, the TSN audience is really digging it, so they were like, cover it today and tomorrow, and all of a sudden, now we got a lot. Uh, but again, I am not complaining, man. I'm just talking to fighters about, about art, about yeah, fighting. That's so great. I'm hoping we see a lot more of you. I think not just as a Canadian, but just in general, I think you're a personality that the UFC is really lacking, and... They've got some great stuff going on, but definitely having that that knowledge and that uh, just the persona, I think, is amazing. Thanks, man. I mean, hey, like I've done work for the UFC. I'm sure I probably will again. That usually what's happened is Dana will request me specifically for something, and then his production staff will get a hold of me. I'll do it, and they'll go, "Oh, we got to do more stuff with you." And then a year will go by, and yeah. they don't. And you know, it's a, a different time, right? Like we we live in a time where a year or two ago, somebody who's you know a so-called expert, or at one time would be considered an expert in say production. I'm a producer. I know what we need. They become dated. They become their skills become old, and so they start to look for old role fillers. People, you know, if you could talk like a sportscaster and you could, you know, do it the old way, that's what they want. But the difference is now there are metrics. Yeah. I can put out a one-minute breakdown that will be viewed by way more people than will watch, you know, the UFC post-fight show on Fox. More people will watch a single one of my one-minute breakdowns that they will find and and choose. And the metrics are there to say, hey, uh, Mr. Producer guy, who whatever your job is, wherever you, your expertise supposedly is, you're incorrect here. You're incorrect by putting somebody else into a role that gets viewed 100,000 times on Fox after fights when I can get 400,000 people to watch a, a breakdown that I breakdown. make on my laptop, you know? Yeah. The metrics are there to say, actually, you're incorrect. I, you, you'd be better off if I did this gig. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We, we talked about it a little bit on the drive over here. I was really amazed at, you know, yesterday I was tw- uh, texting back and forth, figuring out our times and stuff like that. And, you know, think these big corporations, they have stuff all figured out and they're all geniuses and it's just going to be bing, bang, boom and the show is done. And that's just not the way it is. That all of a sudden out of the blue, they're like, oh, we need something to fill here. We need something yeah. to fill here. And then all of a sudden you're out working for TSN for more hours than <laughs> you counted on, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Yeah. If you knew three months ago, uh, it'd be a bit more security and more. <laughs> for sure, but uh, it's just not the way things are run nowadays, right? One of the things that I think will give people a lot of people, like everybody's hustling. Everybody's trying to work more. Everybody's trying to do more. We're all people who share podcasts, listen to podcasts, build podcasts, people who are doing anything in the intellectual world. We're all working harder and harder and harder. And I think it'll be a big relief when, from when most of them discover that large companies, UFC, TSN, the biggest, most successful come Nike, whatever, a lot of them are just scrambling to, to keep things going well. Right. That that is the nature of growth. They're, right? they're just kicking their feet, trying to keep their head yeah. above water and These making as people. good as they can. Yeah, they're just people it. like you and I. They're, and that's the thing. I used to take it a lot more personally. Like at one time I was like, listen, uh, when I was, because... And I'm doing, you guys know you're coming to my show in Calgary. A big root of, the, of my one-man show that I do is storytelling about a 10-year plan to become the, the commentator of the UFC. Wow. And that 10-year plan, if, among other things, involved nine professional fights. Yeah. You know, the first one was 10 years ago today, incidentally. <laughs> nice. My very first professional. Nice, nice. And many other things. It's a long, it's a 50-minute storytelling show. But at the root of it is this idea that... 
I believe that anything can be accomplished. You figure out how to accomplish it, making smaller steps to, to, to accomplish smaller goals leading to a larger goal. And that whoever you would fill into a role, some fighter that you would go and put on one of those desks, who's looking at his phone, and, and, and we know how these guys are. They're, they're looking at their phone in between to go on SureDog to figure out who <laughs> the guy that they're about to talk about just fought. Wow. Well, I am spending 16 hours a day for a decade and a half consuming the study of martial arts, right? right. But I used to take that uh, personally, that it's like, what the fuck is wrong with producer A that he can't see that even if you somehow don't understand that I'm tr working as hard as I can to push this skill to another level and that skills are acquired through thousands of repetitions and you can see on my Twitter or Instagram page that I yep. will make thousands of these things in the time that they'll make two on their TV show. And that's how you get good. But that aside, that there are now metrics of choice. You go, oh shit, people could have chosen porn or cat videos and instead they're watching a Robin Black one minute breakdown. Now That's it's right. an undeniable truth. Right. I used to take that personally. Until now I realize these are just people doing their best. Right. If, if you're the president of a company or you're the senior vice president of production or you are the international manager of whatever, <laughs> you're just some guy trying to keep up with a very stressful job. Yeah. And everybody everywhere is living that way. And once people realize that, they feel they forgive themselves a little bit more for being a touch disorganized, or they forgive themselves a little bit right. more for things taking a little longer to achieve. Everybody's living that way. It, that, that's interesting because, you know, the last few podcasts we've done, it's really been about personal growth and how do you get there and set goals. And so uh, I'm glad that you said what you said about, you know, this was a 10-year plan. You're at the 10-year mark it, now. It, 11. 11. I'm at the 11-year 11 11 year. mark of a 10-year plan. But that that that's amazing that you that you stuck to it because most people get five or six months into something they're like oh this can't be done and then here you are eleven years into a ten year plan and and honestly we're we're big fans we think you're killing it we love the one minute breakdowns we love what you do on TSN we we, we just love that stuff and I'm sure there's lots of your fans that do but what motivates you to stay on that path especially seeing how like you you sort of not made the original goal not that mm -hmm. you're not going to make the big goal but you you you're a little bit behind time now. So the fascinating thing for me, that a big part of this, you know, it's an interesting balance when you're talking about personal growth on one hand and the reality that everybody is facing challenges. The president of whatever and Elon Musk and whoever, they're all sure. just complicated people trying to find their way through it. Once you understand that, you don't, 10-year plan, 20-year plan, it doesn't, see, it doesn't matter that much. As long as you learned a lot on that way through, as right. long as you learned a lot and changed a lot. And for me, what I've learned the most about, the most, and martial arts is the root of where I interface with the world. So when I learn how to be a better friend or a better husband or anything, I learn about it by studying martial arts. And studying martial arts gives me a lot of pleasure and I understand change. But it has taught me how much everything changes constantly, that the only constant that there is is constant change. change. Right. And once you see that, that also, you start to think about how, okay, so I had a 10-year plan. It's now 11 years, but it's actually a 20-year plan. And the route that you set off on, where you were trying to get to, will in and of itself change. Right. Like the UFC will change. Yeah. What it means to, so somebody, and this is not a, a knock, this is, I love fighting, I love martial arts, I love the UFC, I love this weekend. But you, Eddie Alvarez today and two or three other people, they were asked about interim titles. And I heard, I didn't ask them, but I heard this asked by uh, a, a young guy from Toronto who does some stuff for MMA fighting. And the answers were almost all like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Right. Now, why does it not? Because the meaning of what it means to be a UFC champion has changed. The meaning of what it means to be a UFC fighter has changed. Yeah. When Claude Patrick and Sean Pearson and these can... Uh, Mark Bocek and these Canadian guys became UFC fighters. That was a huge thing. There was only like a hundred of them. Right. You know what I mean? To be one in a hundred of something is huge. Now there's a few thousand of them. Right. So the meaning changes. And the meaning to commentate the UFC or to analyze it changes now as I realize that I could reach way more people doing it the way I'm doing now. So would I like to sit next to John Anik 
who is a good friend and I like him very much, or John and Dominic or Rogan, like, you know. DC. Like, yeah, DC. To, to sit with Anik and Rogan one time in my life and commentate those fights and show people that there's a different way to see it, a different way to experience it. It has different meaning than they're seeing and, that, and knowing that I could show that to them. Some would hate it. Some would, there'll be some percentage because There's people don't like change, there, yeah. right? Uh, but change is good for us all. Yeah. And I know that I can show them and there's so much going on there that I can share. So would I like to do that? Yes. But do I need to do that anymore? Not really. Not as much as I did a year ago and not as much as I did a year before that because the meaning of it changes now. And there are people in the next 18 months who will consume my stuff on Instagram Uh, or consume my stuff on Twitter, or consume my stuff on whatever the next thing is, for, and I'll do it for old fights, new fights, UFC, you know, one championship belt, all these different ones, they'll consume my stuff, and they won't know who used to do that job. Right. They, they, some of them don't watch television. Yeah. Some of them don't have television. You know what I mean? So That's a trend that's starting right now, yeah. too, is they're giving up cable, right? Yeah. So the yeah. meaning of it changes. Would I like to go backwards and convince some guy who's worked in television, you know, whoever <laughs> would be the decider, who's worked in television for 20 years, goes, this is the way it's always been done. You should take some voice lessons, be able to talk a little more like this, you know. Oh, uh, and he lands a huge right hand. Oh, he's got to take that opportunity to land that takedown now, dish out some ground pound. Like, fuck, of course I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody could do that. That's why you can get, you know, try five fighters and two of them will be good. Yeah. Because that, the expectation of what's possible is so unbelievably low. It's easy to imitate. And actually, just what you said is something that Mark says all the time. It's really easy to succeed in this world. All you do is a little bit better than somebody else. And and if you're willing to not be an imitator, then you're going to excel past the people uh, around you, right? It's going to take a while, though. Yeah, the, change always does. Um, well, I shouldn't say it always takes a while, but there's, often. there's it often takes a while. And there's often resistance to it. Um, I said to you earlier, we have some announcers that we're not big fans of in the UFC that we'd rather see you in. And we won't mention names or anything, but you know what? They're, they're, they're obviously have fans and they're doing the job or they're fill, fulfilling a contract, whatever it is to keep them in that position right now. Um, but they will have to do something different in the near future. If they're doing what they've done for the last yeah. 10 years, they're never going to, or they're not going to continue doing that forever. Yeah. So it's interesting. They, they need to do something else. That's not actually true. They could do the same thing and it just continues, you know, to shrink. Like when nobody's watching mm. your post fight show on Fox, you're doing something wrong. Right. Now, the, what will usually happen is people will go in because the way change takes place is there's a large change. And the people who do it the old way will say they, they won't notice it. So it doesn't exist. Right. And it happens a little bit more. Then they'll notice it, but they'll think it's a fad. Yeah. And then it'll change a little bit more. And then they'll say, well, it's just a niche. And then by then, it's too late to have made the changes that you just had two years or eight years or eight months because these days things change really Fast, quickly. Yeah. While you were busy denying the change and holding on to the old, the world around you changes. And that's the biggest lesson to take out of this. And even I used to play in a rock band and we wanted to, to you know, get signed to Sony Records. Well, nobody should do that anymore. No. That's not how you would do it. So, you know... If you are an old manager or an old agent and you're calling all your old buddies at Sony or Warner or whatever trying to get a record deal for your artist, you're doing them a shitty... Nobody should do that. You right. should have your own platforms and your own systems and grow your own audience. And, and every other job is kind of the same. This podcast, somebody could offer you guys to, to put it somewhere... But they don't have any. They don't have anything you guys don't have. Right. All they have is the ability to put it on the internet. They might have a bit more money for marketing. Is the only thing yeah. that they have right but now. But marketing is yelling into a crowd. Right. You. You. One of the biggest reasons that authenticity is so interesting is because everybody is trying to sell you the same shit. Right. Like marketing in and of itself feels like a dead system to me. Like the whole system of marketing. The way they're doing it now for sure. Like there's yeah. you you have to learn to market differently than everyone else does. I, I was listening to a podcast about Dave Chappelle and he would literally go out into a park and just start yelling jokes at people yeah. until he gained a crowd and then all of a sudden he gained his fan base. So that one little Amazing. city makes the news or you know, they talk to their friends. Oh, we just saw this totally funny guy at the park. He was just yelling out jokes. He was freaking hilarious. 
hilarious, and then his name comes up on TV, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's yeah. marketing. Well, yeah. I think it's interesting. We think about it. Uh, a lot of what you're saying, I think, comes down to relative perspective. Um, the fact that you've got this goal, especially a long-term goal, there's so many factors you have to bring into that, too. And I think the fact that you're creating the environment, you're being a big part of creating the environment that's going to accept you when you reach those goals mm-hmm. is a huge factor. The problem is, is you can't always control how fast that, that uh, environment grows for you. Sometimes your growth can be a lot faster than the elements that are acquired in that. And I that's, think that's where you're at right now. That's very true. And, uh, I mean, if you look at, what do they call it, the techn- uh, technology adoption life si- uh, cycle? Have you ever mm-hmm. seen this? Like, if that. you just yeah. Googled technology adoption life cycle, and it looks like a little hill, like a boob. And it's not exactly, <laughs> but, and technology... This is a, a how people react to and accept new technologies. But this thing carries over to any new idea, almost the same. Sure. Uh, any new belief system, anything. And it starts off at the beginning. They call them uh, innovators and early adopters. So this very small amount of people mm-hmm. are an innovator and or an early adopter. An innovator would be somebody who starts something. Early adopters are like... I don't know, man. I think this guy's onto something. And I think we're going to do that too. Very small, couple percent. Yeah. Then it starts to ramp up. And you get almost half of that middle chunk is called the early adopters. And the other half, after you, you pass the nipple of the, of the curve, yeah. is the late adopters. And at the end, they call them the laggers. Yeah. So there's a very low, very small percentage of humans that just love new ideas, react to things really quickly, incredibly open-minded, young. Uh, Elon Musk, uh, yep. uh, um, Tyson, the, the scientist, yep. Joe Rogan, those kind and, of people. Yes, and the people who consume them first. Because yep. at first you're like, who the fuck? Joe Rogan? I thought that guy was a comedian. Why is he talking about this? People react yeah. negatively. We don't want new things. New things, many of us, the people on the front of that do, the early adopters do, and the early majority is really open to it. But a lot of us, half of us, literally half and sometimes more, it makes us afraid. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes us feel stupid. It shouldn't. Some new ideas shouldn't make us feel stupid. Right. They should make us feel excited. Look, we get to learn something new. We know how to learn. It's not hard. All we have to do is you know, consume it and keep an open mind. But half of the, of the population don't want that. But eventually, they come around, and they're called the late adopters. They're yeah. like, oh, because by then, some, an idea or a technology has been around for two years or five years or seven, and it feels normal, and they're not resistant to it. That life cycle, that technology adoption life cycle, is a reality of how human beings accept ideas and uh, Joe Rogan is already at the top part and uh, and Elon Musk Elon Musk the late adopters are already like oh that guy I've seen him on TV I think he's going to send something to Mars you know what I mean (laughs) it's only the very laggers who are like you know what I'm I don't want a cell phone I'm not on Facebook and there's nothing that's a whole separate conversation there's a a lot of great things that could be accomplished by unplugging from these things but but that is a reality and the people on the second half because they're so uncomfortable with it, they often become super negative. Yeah. And you see them. And you see them a lot the older that a platform is. So YouTube has the most negative people because YouTube's old now. Yeah, yeah. YouTube's old. We think of it as new. And YouTube's not new. YouTube is old. After TV, YouTube's the next oldest thing out there. Yeah. So there, a lot of people have been hanging around for a long time going, yeah, I don't like this change. Who are these assholes? This guy thinks he knows. And they get mad at, at things. They're yeah. super negative. Um, actually, even worse than that are like message boards because message oh, boards yeah, were kind yeah. of around early. Nobody goes to those anymore. Yeah. Not just because they're not new because everybody's an asshole there. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, who goes to Reddit? Just really negative people, right? Like, and why? Not because you only go there because you're negative. You leave when you're positive. Yeah. When you're somebody who hates that kind of v- v- angry, you know, sort of really harsh negativity, you leave and you find a new thing. Instagram, on the other hand, is started. You'll see it starting, but it's a much more positive kind of area. And the newer that they are, the more you get these early adopters, open-minded, ready for change, excited by change. So you're in a lot of ways, if you want to innovate, you end up moving to the newest thing because that's where all the people who want to be innovated to go. Yeah. 
And you, as an as an early innovator or early adopter, you also get excited by their stuff. Yeah. So you find the most fun around these kind of new places. It, it's so true that the 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 longer something's been around, the more people are negative about mm-hmm. it. I never thought about it before, but YouTube's at a point now where it's just a <laughs> hater board. Yeah. Like everything you put on there, there's 500 people that says they hate it and maybe one or two good thumbs up type of stuff. Well, the amazing thing with that, though, is YouTube's something that literally anybody can go do. Yeah. And when you see that you're not doing that and you could be, I think there's just going to be a general f- flashback of negativity. Mm-hmm. Like why... You're not doing anything good. I could do that. Well, no, it's not a matter that it's bad what you did. It's a matter that I'm not doing it also. Yeah. And that's a lot of pain people bring out. For sure. And and there, there's a lot of fear behind that too, right? So when you start something new, you're never going to be excellent at it the first time you do it. It takes time and time again. So you get on to you know, YouTube, start your channel. You know, you're going to do a craft channel or whatever. And your crafts aren't good. And your production quality isn't good. So everyone hates it because you're not the the pootie pie out there that's mm-hmm. putting out the most quality stuff. So you just got to weed through that stuff and just keep trudging until you start getting good and then the good reviews will come in. We got, when, when I, uh, Mark and I started ours, it's got to be almost a year and a half ago now. It, um, uh, we s- approached it with a white belt mentality. Yeah. Like literally sat down and said, we don't know anything, but what we're hoping is that we'll get a little better every day and that we'll learn something of value every day. And the sound will get a little better, and the lighting will get a little better, and the <laughs> editing will get a little better. And if you watch us do that, we're pretty sure that you'll look and go, hey, I could do that too. And that was from day one. That was one of the things that we, one of our themes that we wanted to get across is it's totally okay to suck. Right. In fact, everyone who's good at anything once sucked. Everyone. Every single person. It's just harder to suck now because you're doing it in front of 100,000 people where, you know, when you you first started, no one knew about your channel, about anything, and you just didn't have that risk of negativity. We talked about this on the way here and that people that create have some insecurities. And so there's just this catch-22 that, well, we're going to start this. We're going to start a Mm. podcast, YouTube channel. But the fear, and and we had it. Mark called me out. He's like, oh, we've talked about this for how long and you haven't done anything yet? Like, oh, okay, now it's time to do it. Exactly like, right. just suck it up. If I'm not good at it the first time, that's okay. It's not if. You will not be good at anything at the beginning. <laughs> and true. that's not only okay, that's mandatory. Right. That's like, always, so I'm sorry. Yeah, you must, you must suck to start. That's yeah. the nature of starting. And that's always, it's a relative position to have, though. I think the martial arts example is a perfect example for that. Personally, I'm in the opinion the day you start martial arts is the day you stop sucking. You're not very good, no. but you suck up until you try. And now you're, you're just on the road to getting better. That's, That's the way I see it. Yeah, I It's like those that. people who, on, like I was saying on YouTube, who've never made the effort to make their own video knowing damn well they could be doing that. They suck. There's, there's another element to that negativity too, and that is that for whatever reason, it, it's really hard for you to influence somebody who's really bitter and angry. Mm-hmm. Now, what we can and should and hopefully do as much of the time as we can because we're all imperfect is be empathetic enough to understand that's pain not hate but the reason so you would try to be positive and I don't know how often you've ever tried this but it almost never works like somebody on Twitter will say something you're like you know hey man people care about what you think and don't why are you condescending me like you're like no seriously like I honestly took 90 seconds right now to try to be empathetic and then see because maybe I'd learn something from doing that and be more patient and it's good work for me to try to learn and and this guy's mad and you realize how hard it is to influence somebody who's negative so what we choose to do usually is just leave so it's not like YouTube is negative it's a very tiny percentage of human beings that are negative just the positive ones can't stay that long because it's too much work it's too draining and and it's, it's the advice most people would eventually give you. If you have a group of people that you hang around with who hate everything and are down about everything, don't hang around with them as much. Or there's a, 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 a risk of this happening to you. Right. It would be great if you could influence them to be optimistic and positive and, and realize how lucky we are. Like, look where you live. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, you, if somebody has enough money to own a phone with headphones in it that's listening to this, you're better off than 99.9% of all humans who have we're, lived in human history. We're the 1%. Yeah. Everybody that lives in my town is the 1% of the world. Yeah. We, we are wealthy enough that we have a house and we have food and clothes and we can contribute to society. We are the 1%. Yeah. And people, I think, don't appreciate that. The And the poorest 
of people. We live in Canada, the poorest of people in Canada, uh, and we do our best. It is in our nature as a culture. We do our best to take care of the weak and the sick, mm-hmm. and that's been a part of being a, a Canadian, and that's been we believe in that. And it's still, there are people who don't have the food that they need in the basics. But for the most part, our poorest are still better than 99% of the humans who have ever lived on planet Earth. That's true. Because you live, people lived in things where survival was everything. There was no, what am I going to do to entertain myself? It was, what am I going to do to survive another day? That's what most of humanity has been until right. only a, a drop in the bucket of, of modern humanity. 1930s, the depressions, <laughs> and most of the people in North America died of starvation, or not most, yeah, a lot of people, people who in, died. Yeah, yeah. died of starvation. Can you imagine, yeah. It's an interesting way of looking at the perspective there of putting positivity out in the world, especially in media, uh, in the sense that we give people food, we give people housing when they need it. Uh, in a lot of and sometimes they take that, and they they wreck the house. They take yeah. the food and trade it for drugs or alcohol, mm-hmm. perhaps. In the same way, when you put out positivity there, you're putting that momentum out. That's what you're giving. And in the same way that maybe they're going to shit on it, the same way that they're going to ruin everything they get for housing and food, mm-hmm. they're going to shit on your momentum. But that doesn't mean that someday they might not dis- they might decide to change, and that momentum's there for yeah. them to hop on. And maybe you just sway them a little bit. But the fact of the matter is when they're crapping on you, they're still there listening to what you have to say. That's true. And yeah. that's, that's always one that I find surprising is when if you do put something out into the world and, you know, I don't spend any time consuming things I don't like. We live in a world where you can learn other languages and you can study history and you can study jujitsu or painting or how to build a car. Like Psychology. You, know, you can get psychology lectures online exactly. anytime you want. And if you want to um, uh, learn a skill, there's a 12-year-old girl on YouTube probably who knows how to teach it. I learned how to edit by watching 12-year-olds that, on YouTube. That's edit. the advice you gave me on the way down here. Yeah. We were talking about what you do for yeah. editing and yeah. for um, uh, videos and stuff like that. And you're like, YouTube, 12-year-old girls, yeah. we're going to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, just YouTube how to something, and it's probably a child teaching it to you. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, but like most of it, maybe not like rebuild a carburetor, but anything tech, yeah. it's like a 10-year-old boy yeah. or like a 13-year-old brother and sister deal or something like it's unbelievable that's what i want though i don't want someone who has a degree in something that i don't understand like don't use words that i don't know talk to me like a 10 year old perfect you're a 10 year old (laughs) yeah perfect you are a 10 year old well um i mean i i can't think of who was the genius who said this i'm sure it was somebody obvious but uh if you can't explain it to an eight-year-old or you can't explain it to your elderly grandmother, then you don't understand it. Right, absolutely. You, you don't understand yeah, it. Someone, I, there's, I, I recall a similar quote where saying yeah. true understanding of a complex... True understanding is being able to relate a complex yeah. ideology Ideal. to, to a, a not concept. complex yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah, to yeah. a simple concept. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's, it's it's like having kids when your kid comes home and asks you about something incredibly complex that you probably take for granted yourself. At, it's... it's Speaking of complex and simple, I'm pretty sure what we're talking about was just, it was Einstein. I'm pretty sure that was Einstein who said it, you know? Um, As as meme cultures go, let's just say it was uh, Tesla and Einstein were talking and this is what they came up with. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure Einstein said, if you can't explain it to an eight-year-old, you don't understand it. And I mean, and that's not easy to do. Um, What it tends to take is you dig into complexity for so long until it becomes simple to you. Right. And then you can verbalize it in a simple way, and then it will become more complex to you. Like, I uh, chatted with Greg Jackson, who's one of, one of the great martial artists Genius. and martial arts coach in the world. Yeah, he really is brilliant. And he's brilliant in that nerdy kind of way. And, and uh, you know... Isn't it funny I, how most of the great coaches are just... They're more intellectuals yep. than, than athletes. Or, and not that they're not athletes, but they're... They're just super intellectual people as opposed to being the jocks that we would think them to be. I mean... And emotionally open. That always gets me. When some guy who's like a heavyweight, like just, you know, Jack to the hills, it's a massive six foot four guy, he has no problems talking about his feelings with you. Yeah. yeah. And, he, yeah. and he doesn't look worse for doing it. He doesn't no. think he looks worse for no. doing it. And it's he doesn't. No. And anyone whose perspective thinks he does, that's on them. Yeah. That's got, it's none of his business. No. Yeah. How much you know block I mean? does DC take for crying yeah. in the ring? But that's an emotional yeah. moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Say that to his face, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, he and I have t- I've talked about it before on my YouTube channel, and he doesn't care. The, the truth is, 
I mean, the more evolved that you are, you're going to learn about yourself. You're going to learn about your emotions. Yeah. If you're going to be empathetic and understand, in most cases, you get mad at things because you're human and you're flawed and we're weak. That's what we are. But for the most part, we're trying to find ways to become better people, be understand other people more, become less riled up and less wound up and less of what they call a monkey brain, where our brain is just kind of randomly doing things instead of focusing the way we want it to. And empathy is a big part of that. And to understand when somebody cuts you off in traffic that they are not an asshole, but they <laughs> may have, their day. mother could be sick. Right. They could have 27 jobs and only like slept for one hour. Like they're human. They're not trying to do something to you. And that takes a lot of learning and that takes a lot of self-analysis and it takes a lot of, you know, developing of self. And, uh, and if you judge somebody else because they cried in a cage that you wouldn't, you know, it, it took them a lifetime to get there. Do you, if you can't understand what that is, that's your issue. That's, right. not, that's not a dance business. That's your business. Un understanding the, the stress that's involved in getting in there and the amount of work that was put in to become the guy is it, like it's 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 bigger than you know the biggest mountain for most people most people just think going to work every day and coming home and those are really the people that are going to you know point out that dc cried all the time or cried at the end of the ring but they don't understand the amount of work and dedication it took to get there it's not it's not an easy road to become the for ufc sure. lightweight champion or the the heavyweight champion or both like through this. wrestling all the way through to fighting all right. the way through to you know he's 40 years old he's a father of two like that's a that's a rare the rarest of the rare human beings and sometimes it briefly makes me sad that we, that we're failing people we have failed people culturally if we can't help them see that that's someone to admire right like if you can't look at somebody who has sacrificed everything in search of something and admire that then we have let people down in how we've taught them i was in singapore um just a little while ago and they don't they changed their education system a couple of decades ago where you, you learn, they medit kids meditate there. They learn Amazing. about empathy. They learn about, you know, studying their own emotions. That They learn all of these human aspects even more than math and science and stuff. And when you want to be a doctor, your ability to understand other people and care about others is as important to how they choose for you to be a doctor 100%. than how good you were at biology. Right. And tell me that doesn't make sense. Oh, it absolutely of does. Of course it does. I think self-awareness is the one thing that got lost on our culture as a whole, that no one thinks about why they're doing things anymore. They just do them, right? Like, why do I get up at 5.30 every morning and get ready to go work for somebody else? And am I okay with that? You know, they'd never ever, uh, I say it all the time in business, is that you can't manage it if you don't measure it. Right. So you you, you, ha you have influence to, it or change it. Yeah. Right. You have to you have to be constantly measuring the stuff inside your uh, your life, your business, your emotions, your spirit to say make sure that they're online with what that end goal is. Yeah, and it it's it goes right back to what we were talking about earlier. It wherever you are, you just start there. Right. You just start. You're a white belt. Yeah. It's like okay, you know, how good a you know, you could be somebody who is quite unstable with your emotions. Well, if you start doing the work, and there are all kinds of variables, there's physical illnesses and all kinds of things that help you. But in the easiest place for most people to start to try to try to improve whatever it is they're doing is to get a little more sleep, yeah. eat a little better, right. and get a little exercise. That's the start of literally every single improvement in, try, in the world. Try saying that to somebody that's in a depressed mode. I have a, a friend here For in sure. town that uh, um, she, she constantly, you know, in depression, can't get up to go to work. She complains about how expensive it is to eat well. And we've talked about this at, at length about the, you know, just because she doesn't understand it. And how do you get that across to somebody that they're going to buy into that system? Because mm -hmm. it's absolutely yep. true, right? Good sleep, yep. good food, um, a little bit of exercise and get rid of the assholes in your life and your life will get a hundred percent better almost overnight i, I wish that it, it was as simple this is this simple as you're saying for like 96 out of 100 people yeah but there are 
physical challenges. There are true chemical challenges that people have that they can't overcome. And so it's very important to not, as much as what we're saying is almost totally true, you have to at least establish the difference. Because if somebody needs medical attention, that is the precursor to what they need. None of those stuff will work until you get the chemical levels right. That's right. If if there is some physiological setbacks, that has to be dealt with first. So it isn't a catch-all. And in fact, you know, uh, it can be just looking at somebody and saying, well, why don't you get some exercise? It's not going to help a (laughs) certain percentage of people. And those people need help. And, And... I, I like to pat our country on the back often. I get to travel a lot. We try to do that here. Yes. It's important to, yeah. to us all, most all of us. Oh, well, it's really funny. You could almost say, you need to go find a way to be happy. And that's kind of what you're saying. Is, yeah. you know, it's, exercise is amazingly easy if you enjoy what you're doing. But too many people just are living lives where their goal is not to be happy. Mm. Their goal is to find ways to be as lazy and miserable as possible. Like we live in a world where you'll find more people competing for sympathy than for uh, accolades. Mm. Oh, that's true. That that, is. Yeah. yeah, that's sad. Actually, that made that temporarily made me sad <laughs> to think about. But well, but you got to think about truth. though. Every yeah. time someone gives you a shitty remark on social media, that's a potential person who's being exposed to uh, positive statements you're making mm-hmm. that could change their life. That's it. And and. If anybody thinks that you can't influence somebody else's mood, just fucking open a door for somebody and smile at them. You see yeah. it immediately. Like, this is an inarguable... Do it for five people, and three or four of them, you have changed the way that they are going to interface with the next five people they meet. Yeah. Like, that's just a fact. That's you know, just, like, you see it. If you can't see that, then, you know, I don't know. Well, but the same goes for negativity, too, Big right? Time. It yeah. does, yeah. yeah. Which I, is why it does... You do avoid it, which is why you guys won't... <laughs> you won't catch a lot of people in the YouTube comments. And and not that I want to call out everybody on YouTube, but there is a lot of people who don't... Places go bad. I don't know if you guys ever used to go to the MMA underground. Uh, MMA.tv. Oh, yes. Yeah. I still, yeah. I still yeah. troll. You still the, do a little? Oh, man. I, yeah, I get a lot of trouble bless on the Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, bless you. And I say that because... It, they are the OG of all OGs. And Kirik, the guy who runs it, I just love him. Um, and he tried everything. But because it's an older platform, the people who wouldn't leave were the negative people. And other people would come in and go, why the fuck am I hanging out here? Joe Rogan did multiple shows on why he left. And then he brought Kirik in to sit down and talk to him about it. But ultimately, if an environments can go bad, and uh, it is on, I mean, you don't want to give up. And maybe we gave up too soon on some of these places <laughs> when I think about it because, you know, people who are having a tough time or just get some momentum of negativity, it can be changed and we shouldn't necessarily give up on it. But it's tough because if you see people all the time and, and you're trying to, quote, cheer them up or tw- trying to get them going and it doesn't work, you, you try to spend your time elsewhere often. We, we have discussions all the time about the town we're in and the kind of people that are here. And Mark and I have uh, different friends, different uh, groups that we hang out with. And he'll say something about the town and I'll go like, well, I don't, I don't see that at all. And then the more I've hung out with those people in those, I'm like, wow, there is a lot of negativity mm-hmm. in this town. There is a lot of cheating and drug use and alcohol mm-hmm. abuse and stuff like that. And for me, I just, I literally turned a blind eye to it because I just didn't want to see it anymore. I didn't want to be part. I didn't want to hear about families breaking up or divorces or, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, domestic abuse and alcohol abuse and stuff like that. But now that Mark's been pointing it out to me and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of it out there. And it's it's more difficult to stay positive. Not that I'm on the risk of not being positive because I think I'm a really positive guy, but it just seems that we need to be out more in the communities doing the podcast, you know, doing the, the Instagram posts and not at being bashing somebody or, or yeah. tearing somebody down. Cause there's just zero benefit. It, the, the good, uh, amount of the population is doing that already. Let's stand out from the crowd. Yeah. No, it's very, very true. It's very true. That sort of seems like it's like you're talking with technology that, positivity and going forward with your life is a it's almost that new uh the new uh what what would you call the new the new users and innovators Mm -hmm. we're almost on that upward climb right now you see some celebrities that are making their ways and trying to be a better role model than what's out there not everyone can be a negative slapstick 
you know, sort yeah, of... Yeah, The Rock will get you going. Absolutely, oh, yeah. Or, or Joey Diaz. Just watch that guy in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's a whole different thing that he's doing. But, he uh, almost does it the opposite way you should yeah, because he just rants, but it's it's always so funny to put yeah. you into a good mood. Yeah. He's a good one, though, because like not many people can say they've been as low as he's been, exactly. and not many people right. can say they're putting in the effort he's putting in now. For right. sure. So you fall in there somewhere, and you can't really make your, well, you know, it's not my life. I've got it harder than that, or right. I can't... Every Everybody's got it hard. Everybody. And this is a hard one to convince people of. But if you see some kid who's rich, like quite rich, and he has a trust fund, it's, it's factual that any amount of money over a certain amount gives you zero net happiness gain. Right, and I think that number is like eighty-five thousand dollars a year or something. Some, I'm not some going to get any happier yeah. than this. No, you're not. What? Well, <laughs> not not money. with money, right. right? So now you've got a kid who's been rich all his life, and he realizes it's not going to give him give him happiness. Now he doubts any girl he dates who finds out he's rich. Does she actually love? Like, there's all kinds of things attached. Yeah. And when you say that to people who don't have money, they'd be like, "Well, cry me a river. I'll take that." But would they? Right. Like, there are hardships and pain and fear and insecurity and weakness. In everybody, and all we're trying to do through however you do that, you're into yoga, you're into martial arts, you're into, you like podcasting, you, you like whatever it is you, you dig. All you're looking to do is get a little bit better than you were yesterday. Right. That's it. That's all that. There's really no other purpose. Like, you know, I do want to put out my Henzo Gracie one-minute breakdown today. Yeah. I, I'd like to accomplish that. I'm going to shoot something over at the UFC gym right after this. That's, I want to do that. But my, but my actual goal is just to get a little bit better at something today. Right. I don't know what that is yet today. We've asked a bunch of our guests this, and we always get an instri- uh, interesting reply. Uh, we... we, we we always try to figure out what it is more hard work or luck. So what percentage would you say was luck and what percentage was hard work for you um, to get to the, the celebrity, the success that you are now? And just, just to clarify that, when we say luck, we're not saying that you can't have a combination of mm-hmm. luck and, and hard work at the same time. Uh, personally, I would say that you know success is a combination of luck and hard work. Yeah, yeah I agree. But for you, what would you say? Mm. Well, I think... First, the idea of success or celebrity is very gray area. I mean, it's all people. If you, I, I work on a television network in Canada, and I talk about fighting on the internet. Um, I, am I successful? In my definition, I am because I yeah. do what I love every single day. Right. I get up in the morning and I make coffee, and then I sit and I watch martial arts and study it for some kind of value, and then I try to share that with people. And that's my job. Nice. That's ridiculous, right? <laughs> so amazing. I consider that. Yeah. Um, but uh, to me, getting to that point was mostly time, I yeah. think. There's luck and there's hard work, of course. Hard work has to be there. I don't know anybody, not today. Well, I, I don't quite understand um, like certain 18 and 19 and 20-year-olds on Instagram who have like 9 million followers. I don't know how they did that. I so they might have a different answer. Because I was going to say, I don't know anybody. If you remove hard work, like in, in most cases of the world that I run in, 20 years of hard work. Like 20. I started pursuing the entertainment world and and television and performing and writing and, and sharing ideas 29 years ago. How old are you now? I'll be 49 in two weeks. Okay. So 29 years, 30 years ago, yeah. 30 years I did that. And really only the last three do I, it, it, am I, and, and the last one being probably the most unstable because we're starting all of these different projects because that's how you have to do it today. Yeah. You know, we have a, a one-man show that's doing well. We have a YouTube channel. We have clients now that we're in Bahrain and, and uh, Russia and stuff where I build um, martial arts analysis things for them in Poland and, and compiling all of these, these different clients feels at times unstable, but in other ways it actually feels more stable. Yeah. Because by having six or seven or eight different, quote, jobs, right. if one of them changes, and we live in a world of constant change, well, you still have six right. if you had seven. Yeah. And you might add another one and have nine, and then next week have eight. That's the nature of change. It, companies are changing. Businesses are changing. Technologies are changing. Things that's... Do not be surprised 
if you see in the next two or three years something huge, and I mean huge like Nike, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, the NFL, something, you know, pillar huge, go bankrupt. I mean, and we aren't really that surprised if we see what was not, not Walmart, what was that one that came to Canada and immediately went broke? Oh, Target. 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 Oh, Target, yeah. Target. And we see things like that. There's going to be a lot more of that. Yeah. Right? So if you have six or eight employers or streams of income or your own businesses, that's how people are going to do things in this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that is where it's going. That's where everything's going. We're, you'll have your podcast and you'll have a room in Airbnb that you rent out and you'll pick up a couple Uber hours if in between getting your shirts sold from your... Po- that's where the world is going, at least in the short term. Yeah. But, but yeah, so uh, hard work is mandatory and and... You won't find many people that I've worked with or worked for or been in business with or provided service for and as an analyst or something. You won't find many that'll, that won't say, that's one of the hardest workers I've ever met. Yeah. I'm proud to be able to say that. And I know that that's true. And um, so that's there. But I think a lot of it is luck. You're going to get some here and there. Um, but did, I, you, did you ever really count on it? So I think a lot of people start working towards something and like... We're going to get the lucky break soon. We're going to get the lucky break soon. I don't think it exists. Yeah. I don't, here's why I don't think it exists. If, and, and literally back to what we were talking about earlier. If I can do... I've commentated 450 shows. Nice. So almost 5,000 fights at a high level. People consume it, appreciate it. Fighters st- send me their stuff to break down. Um, I've done 300 one-minute breakdowns in the last, whatever, number of months. And I've had 8 or 10 million views on it. Yeah. And there's a particular amount of people who will say, that guy should be, should be commentating for the UFC. Which if, is if I get us. a fucking phone call next week, did I get a lucky break? No. Do you know what I mean? Is that break. a lucky break? Yeah. I, I'm 11 years into a 10-year plan that involves getting kicked in the head in nine professional fights <laughs> to be able to get there. Yeah. I, there's no luck going to be involved. I, and... If somebody else got some lucky break, and I mean, actually, there still is a bit of that, yeah. but it's not going to last. No. Some guy, because some other producer's like, well, you know, I like guys who used to do football. Let's put the football guy in there. It's going to suck. Yeah. The, the numbers are going to shrink. And all you ultimately do, more than luck, you have to be willing to outlast people. Yeah. So if there's one person, say, at the UFC, who is somewhere in production and says, I don't like that guy, I'll fucking outlast him. I will outlast that guy because ultimately he's wrong. I, w- I would drive some numbers up of that, of that post show. Well, and your hard work will show in the end, right? So and I can do 300 of these things in the time it'll take most people to do 12. Right. You know what I mean? And with like, no overhead. And with no overhead. Yeah. <laughs> and the metrics are there to prove that people want them. Like, right. that, I don't know where your leftover thing is unless it's like, I don't like Robin Black's attitude. Well, fuck you. Yeah. I'll outlast you. <laughs> I'll outlast you, you know? so Those, That that small 1% that doesn't like the specific, and it's the same as what we are saying earlier. There were some commentators we don't like. It's not like I'm not going to watch the UFC because he's on there. Uh, I'm going to watch it anyways, but the, the fans will eventually speak and he'll move on and the new guy will move in. Or the thing will change so much that it'll either be another show or another platform or whatever, you know? Um, Because the UFC is the biggest and it's the best. And, you know, Dana White, like, whatever you might think of him, he, man, if you could sit here and talk to this guy for an hour and a half, he'd have the answers for you for how you build something from nothing to a $4 billion company. He do has. Really, do you really think so? I met a couple of people. So I know the guy that used to own Coverall and a couple yeah. guys that are worth a few, you know, mm-hmm. tens of millions of dollars. And I would ask them like, well, what's the best advice you can give for business? And almost 100% of the time they go, I couldn't tell you. I can tell you what not to do. Mm-hmm. Don't ever do this. Don't ever. They had these rules set in their head, but they didn't actually know the formula to get yeah, to the right. success. And the formula, it's it's a moving target anyways. Right. The formula, the part of the problem, when things start to be challenging, and we use television as an example, if your show is shrinking or your something is going down, your formula is tainted now. Right. Your formula doesn't mean what it used to mean. Like we said about belts or we said about jobs. Right. Your formula now represents inauthentic. Authenticity. That's the biggest problem for televised sports right now, whether, whether we're talking NBA or NFL or UFC. If it feels to me like you're a, a quote, sportscaster instead of a regular person when 
I listen to Joe Rogan and fucking, you know, like Jordan Peterson or Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever, and you're consuming real people, then a guy in a suit going, hey, welcome to NBA, whatever, he just feels inauthentic. Yeah. And so if your formula is still to put that guy in there, you're going to lose us. And you're going to lose us all. So yeah. your formula starts to taint. The for taint. I said taint. Uh, <laughs> the formula worked before. It's not... The formula, and you're like, well, the formula hasn't changed. No, the world has right. changed. The world has changed. I like, I like how that kind of works yeah. in with the whole luck situation. I, I see how you're making your own luck right now. I see that you have a formula where you're developing the skills and putting yourself in the place you need to be for when that small amount of luck does drop, where the UFC finds themselves out of, uh, out of a commentator, and there you are. You're right there. You're ready to go. You've already got yeah. more than what they need. And was that luck? To some degree, that was luck. But you are the one that put yourself there, ready to accept I, that luck. I honestly cannot see that happening. No. And I'll tell you, because that has happened. And if you look and you go, well, that, that guy makes sense. They've consciously chosen other people. It's like, well, you know, Eves, um, Eves Edwards left to go work for PFL. Uh, well, let's put Michael Bisping in. He hasn't commentated in three years. And in fact, Michael's last fight that he was supposed to commentate was on a Saturday night in, in Burbank, California. And I was in Mexico on my one vacation of like two years. And Mike uh, got a phone call. Um, Chris Weidman was out of fighting Luke Rockhold for the title. And on Tuesday, Mike said on Twitter, I'll fight him. And I was realized, oh, shit, Mike's supposed to commentate that show that I've done before. So I emailed the UFC and said, if Bisping's out, I'll get on a plane right now from my vacation in, Bur in Mexico and fly five hours, because I was on the East Coast, mm. five hours to, to Burbank, get in a car, drive an hour, cut, get someone to dye my hair because <laughs> I, I've been in the sun all day, and pluck my eyebrows and whatever else you have to do to, to do TV. Do the TV, get back in it, and fly five hours back from my last day on the beach with my wife, who was not pleased. But okay. she understood that this was my dream. Yeah. And, and I got on that fucking plane, and I went over there, and I killed that show. And after I did that one, they gave me the next two for Shudo Brazil. And then they had me hired for the next three after that um, when the UFC was bought and they closed down Shudo Brazil. And then they've never... That same production people, in whatever way, has not found a, a spot or given me a spot including I auditioned for a Dana's Contender series and fucking murdered that audition. And they went with Eves and, um, uh, what's that? Uh, Sarah? No, um, that Irish uh, kickboxer. Uh, oh. Um. Uh, commentator. Uh, no. Paul. Paul Felder. Yeah, he's very good too. And, yeah. he's, and he's very, very uh, kind and cool guy and a great fighter. Then, uh, so... Then Eves left to go work for PFL, and Mike's in. And, I mean, that's, that's the spot where you go, ah, fuck, look, Robin Black's fucking, he's right there. You know, he's, he's multiplied all of his platforms by 10. He's being consumed like crazy. There's been, you know, literally millions of views on his stuff. That's undeniable. And it's like, nah, Mike was the former champion just throw you know what i mean it's yeah. already been there and i haven't got it yeah. so there's there is someone or some um someone up the chain who's like he's not one of my guys and i'm not going with him so, so i gotta outweigh that motherfucker whoever he is so now you're saying that you know that that was your chance at luck that all these things were lining up that that it was you know it was hard including work me getting off that fucking beach right right that, that actually brings up an interesting question so um you had mentioned that your wife was very mad, but she understood and mm -hmm. she went. And and for me, having no, she the, stayed. I went. That's right. So yeah. she stayed on the beach while yeah. you went, and then that's as people came up to her for days, going, "I heard your husband had to go work. <laughs> Are you doing okay?" She said she just got tired of that. <laughs> that's like a kick in the teeth yeah. when you're down, right? Yeah. Um, but the, the, how important is that for you? Like, I know for me, my drive came when I got married and I started having kids. And it just as the kids came and as the time went, my drive grew more mm. and more and more to now where, you know, I do lots of things to try to benefit my family. Where when I was a single guy, partying, drinking, doing all that mm. kind of stuff, there was no motivation at all. So how much is your wife a big part of that? Because yeah. you don't have kids yet, right? Not yet. Uh, so my, my wife is my best friend and it's very... Very, very fortunate. She works in, in 
musical theater. She's in entertainment. Sometimes she has to go away for months. I go away for days. It's not easy, but we understand, and we're, we're getting pretty good at it. She's called, um, and on the drive back, I'll call her, and we'll, we'll hang out. But we're, we plan to have children, and I'll be 49 in two weeks. So that means I'm going to be a 50 or a 51-year-old father. Yeah. That's, that's, that's tricky. I'm sorry to turn to yeah. That's a tricky one, though, because you are not a 50-year-old father. That guy, because we, we say 50-year-old mm-hmm. father, we, we, everyone's going to have a mental picture. You're not that beer-chugging, hasn't yep. gotten off the couch since he, uh, his varsity days. You're not that guy. No, but so You'll the be able reason to throw a ball I'm, in 10 years. Well, the reason I'm not that guy is because during periods where I have my shit together with the right amount of structure with all of my different jobs and focus and drive and stuff and trying to be a good husband, I get in three to four workouts a week, sometimes five. I can stay on top of so my important. diet. I can sleep. But the, ho- the more this happens... The more work and variables there are, the less I can do that. Now you add a child mm-hmm. or two, am I going to be able to do that? Because, and that terrifies me. Now, the answer to that is if you plan for it, right. you must plan for it. You must understand, you must truly be honest with yourself as you analyze your, your schedule and your strategy for life. Because you can go, well, you know, my kid's more important, my wife's more important, my job's more important. And those things are true. They but are. you'll be shitty at all of those if you get weaker, slower, and sicker. So you're not, by getting yourself in a position to work out three to four times a week and eat well, you're not holding back from your wife, your kid, and your job. You're, you're reinforcing that you can do that job in f- those jobs and those th- meaningful things in your life in five and ten years. Right. So it, it's terrifying to me. So I got a good piece of yeah. advice for you from a friend of mine. He's a psychologist and a teacher and musician. He, he's a really, really good guy. Um, he ran the same thing. He was a single dad, uh, like seven, eight-year-old boy, um, got remarried to a doctor. And so he works full-time as a teacher. He also produces music. Um, he's got a son, like busy, busy mm-hmm. guy, and he likes to stay fit. And so he just realized, I can't go to the gym anymore. So he's like, oh, I'm going to challenge myself that I'm going to do 200 push-ups every day. Mm-hmm. So every time he had five minutes, he sat down, banged out 20 or 30 of them, mm-hmm. did that 10 times a day, and did the same thing with squats and with sit-ups and all that. And now he's still this fit guy. Oh. And when he gets the two hours free, he goes for a 60-kilometer bike ride. Or when they're wow. on vacation, he plans for exercise on the vacation. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're going to ride our bike around Malibu. We're not going to take right. a truck. And we're going to... Cool. So it's all definitely Planned. possible. Plan. But, I mean, we could talk for hours, and i got to go shoot a piece at the UFC gym. you got to leave in about yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah, so. um, but, uh-huh. I mean, organizing, making a plan makes everything work better. And, and there's so many different hacks that people use, but one that I like to try to remember is, and Mark and I have, ch- have talked about this and implemented it, both of us, at different times when we travel. It's like, what would make future Robin happy? Yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. What will make future Robin happy? Oh, going to bed at 10? Oh, that sounds boring. But future Robin will be thrilled <laughs> if I go to... Tomorrow morning when to, you're... Yeah, yeah, and I got to go work, right? That's and, a great ethos to have. Yeah. yeah. Think about like the consequences. Mm-hmm. Like if, if every moment of every day you ask yourself, what's going to make me happy tomorrow? Yeah. That's a great way to live your life. Mm-hmm. And I think parenting, for, my, for me, it's always been a happy, healthy father is a good father. Mm-hmm. And if that means taking time away from your kids to do what makes you happy... Then you come back a refreshed, happy person. Yeah, I, it's it's you. But that's something you have to understand and believe and know to be true. Yeah, is that if sure. I, if I, and your partner has to know that to be true, and you see it in each other. If I take eight hours this week to not be a husband or father or work, but that allows me in four years to be a great husband, father, and worker. That's not going to pan out. You know, yeah. you need to do it. You need to do those eight hours. You need to do that work to be fit and healthy. It's uh, There's a way to make everything happen, though. Mm-hmm. Like uh, People ask me all the time, they're like, well, well you know, you, if you're doing martial arts, aren't you scared you ever might have to use that in front of your child? I'm like, my daughter's been watching me get beat up and choked out <laughs> since she was two years old. Yeah. I bring her to the gym with yeah. me almost every yeah. day. Yeah. yeah, that's how we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Where do you guys train? 
Uh, so I haven't been for the last year. Prior to that, I had set up a little organization here in uh, Airgy where I was teaching self-defense. Oh, so cool. that was my training. So we just taught, yeah. you know, the basics of jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai yeah. and yeah, cool. boxing. And so we did it free for the community. We got a place uh, donated to us. So we had mats and gloves and all that. Uh, so that was the, the last place I trained. I got my original martial arts training with David Lee in Kelowna at oh, awesome, awesome. He, I love uh, it was shortly after he opened his original gym. I think he started in his garage. Mm-hmm. And then when he moved into his first commercial space, that's when I He's started brilliant. there. He's brilliant. Uh, it actually brings me back to a story that uh, our very first tournament as a group was uh, called Fireball in Vancouver. And it was a jiu-jitsu tournament. I think there was a bunch of other martial arts going on there. But we had all busted our butts for six months to get ready for this. I think there was 12 of us that went down. We brought back like 15 um, uh, trophies from it. Like we, we, David's an amazing guy. Yeah. But my very first fight... Uh, or jiu-jitsu match, I uh, I didn't eat in the morning. I was so nervous and so scared. Uh, I thought I was fighting in the morning. I ended up not fighting until 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so I was totally drained. I get in there, and for like two minutes, I couldn't figure out jiu-jitsu at all. Yeah. Nothing. We locked arms like a couple of 1970 uh-huh. wrestlers, and uh, we just pushed back and forth, and then out of the blue, just... The, the volume got turned up on David, and I heard, for fuck's sake, shoot. And I dropped down for double, got yeah. it. And then I ended up getting a, a front naked choke on the guy, and uh, which isn't very usual, but yeah. I won. The emotional um, uh, release from that win, I still remember mm-hmm. today. And when I saw DC, that's what I saw. I saw just this... This I did it. I got to the top of the mountain. I made it to the top of the ladder. Like I'm the guy now. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Um, you just, you just. Most people won't understand that type of achievement in life. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but you can experience it with small victories. Yeah, like absolutely. your first jujitsu victory does feel very similar to what a world champion feels. It's just your version of it. That's it's right. real. You yeah. know what I mean? That's real. And and. It's not just that you want to experience that, but you have to experience losing too because you have to know what that is and know what you can learn from it. You know, my very next match, I lost. I got second place. When so. it comes to losing, <laughs> though, or sorry, when it comes to life, losing is almost the best thing that can possibly happen yeah. in martial arts. The one thing I love about martial artists is I know that guy's checked his ego many, many mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Because if it's a second day, it's happened. I guarantee yeah. you. Yeah, that's sure. a great thing. So we really appreciate you coming out here. Oh, we I know you have a busy. Here. Okay, gonna, my club, Champions Creed. We've nice. uh, our, we've I know got, it. Yeah, oh, right, right, right. We've got Mark, uh, Mark McKinnon, uh, fighting for uh, Lion, the belt. To, uh, was nice. it tomorrow? And then we also got Hakeem in on Vegas. The card. It is. Oh, geez, where? No, I think it's down uh, around Boston oh, in yeah. that area. Yeah. And then we've got Hakeem on the UFC yeah, card for tomorrow. Saturday. And uh, if you guys are free, we got the national after party going on there downtown Calgary. Champions Creed. Yeah. Champions yeah? Creed. Yep. Uh, we got to do um, a little bit of stuff for TSN after, but maybe we'll come by yeah, after that. Hakeem's hosting the party. It'll yeah, be great. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure because it's Hakeem, we'll also have the Mike Miles group down there. Oh, Champions wicked. Creed, Teo Fista. Should be, a, should be an interesting yeah, place to be downtown Calgary cool. with a bunch nice, of fighters. Nice. <laughs> you're, you're obviously going to the UFC tomorrow? Yep, I got. Uh, um, I don't know if I'm doing something for Sports Center from before, but our job often is we're in the bowels, and then we'll watch it on a lot on a monitor. Sometimes, if there's a key, I've had seats for key fights, or the, you'll be at the table out front. But if you're interviewed, so as a partner, Fox and TSN, and um, the one in Brazil, Cambache, is that Globo from Brazil, we get our own one-on-ones with everybody. Awesome. So I'll get to chat with all of them after and put that up on tsn.ca slash UFC. That's super cool. Yeah, it's really great. You, I learned so much back there. Um, you know, as a fan, I like to be out in the room, but, but back there you see, I saw Cormier, you know, he was marching six feet from me before he fought Anthony Johnson wow. the second time. You Ooh. see him like lit up and I'm like, yeah. and I'm standing there and I'm trying to stay out of the way and I'm thinking, am I fucking supposed to be here? <laughs> and it was just our spot. It's just where they put us, right. you know? And then you see them after and, you know, and, and I've had some really cool moments back there. Um, 
I got in trouble for going over to see George after he beat Bisping when he was going out in an ambulance. But I'd been traveling with him for months, and I was willing to take the heat. You're not supposed to do that, and, yeah. and I shouldn't have done it. But but uh, Calvin Gastelum watched Cub versus Duho Choi with me. And Calvin's a friend. He just came over to our spot. He's like, oh, you got a TV? Can I watch with you? And then, you know, and I got to interview some of my favorite athletes after big wins, like Cub and, and uh, Connor and uh, Eddie Alvarez and Holly and, and stuff. So... It's uh, uh, Condit, you know. So to see, to look into the eyes of somebody who's just had some of the most meaningful experiences of their entire life, yeah, yeah. And now in those moments where they're still on that that experience, not just biochemically, but but psychologically and emotionally, it's very special. I and I really I get to ring announce sometimes or, or do the post fight interviews and fights all over the world. And it, there's something very special about it. You're you're standing right imagine. next to somebody who's just had one of the most meaningful experiences that most humans will ever have. Just this morning, being at the uh, the hotel with you there, and you're doing your stuff, and we're watching all the fighters come in. There's something about being near somebody that successful, that mm-hmm. driven, that you know, mm-hmm. watching Joanna walk by and DC coming in. He's not fighting mm-hmm. tonight, but coming in, probably smiling because he's not fighting tonight. Yeah, right. Um, uh, there is something very special about those athletes that I think people underestimate. Mm-hmm. You, you can bash them all you want, but these are people that are on top of the world at what they do. They're, they're amazing. And when you meet a brilliant um, surgeon or you meet a brilliant professor yeah. or you meet somebody who, who, you know, like there are brilliant people all over the world, right? And and where when you're lucky enough to see them, you try to fucking learn something yeah. on the spot. So this is, uh, we should probably wrap this up pretty quick because we got to get you off to the, uh, the the next thing you're doing yeah. here. Do uh, you want to plug your stuff going on? Yeah, I, uh, I like to post stuff where people can grab it automatically and not have to click through and go to places, but I... So Instagram and Twitter, I post a lot of things at Robin Black MMA. But the long form stuff is what we're really hoping that people, you know, take some interest in. It's on YouTube.com slash Robin Black. And on my Twitter, there's SoundCloud and iTunes and all of those links on my Twitter. Also, maybe the easiest place, though, if people dig it, is RobinBlackMMA.com. So you can buy t-shirts there you can find all the social media a lot of the youtube stuff is up there and there's direct links to the podcast which we're doing mark and i are doing a a long form podcast every week now two two to three hours we'll do one here in calgary and get it up over the next couple days uh, and we'll chat about our visit with you guys Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Robin. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you you are. Yeah, we're jumping in the truck literally from here. This is Chad and Mark with I Want to Know. And uh, next time you're in town, hopefully we can get you by again. Let's do it. Awesome. Absolutely. It was awesome having you. We're out.